We're going to watch a quick video here, and uh, then it'll intro us into our second in this series. <clears throat> so who's going to do what? I'll pack the dead batteries. Great. I'll only put what I don't need into a duffel bag. Perfect. That's totally unhelpful. No problem. Meanwhile, I will try to comfort everyone by speaking in a calm voice. And who is going to handle supplies? I can forget to do a list for us. Thanks, pal. We couldn't be any less prepared. I'm proud of you guys. Talk to your kids about who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov slash kids for tips and information. I really have no idea what that website has when you go to ready.gov, but I liked the video. How many times do we plan for things? We're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get the batteries and I'll make sure they're ready. I, last time we checked them was in 1992, but they'll be ready in case the power goes out. Or um, <clears throat> kids are great. I love that line about uh, the backpack. You know, I'm going to fill my backpack full of things that won't help at all in an emergency, but I'll have a backpack. Um, if you've ever gone through your kids' backpacks before you go on vacation, you realize that's exactly it. There's no socks, there's no underwear, there's no shampoo, but you know what they do have is, is, is they do have their Game Boy, you know, or they do have uh, their stuffed animal. And, and so when we're planning for trouble, because Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. But in this world you're going to have trouble. When we're planning for that, we need to plan not to wing it, not to just fly by the seat of our pants and hope something comes good out of it, but like we said last week, we plan for faith, number one. Today, number two, we plan for thanksgiving. Plan to be a person of thanksgiving. So do you ever plan to tell someone thank you? Sometimes we make plans and we're going to, oh, I'm going to write that thank you card and we forget, or maybe we write the thank you card and we sit it on our desk or wherever, um, on the pass-through there at the kitchen, and you forget for like two months to put the stamp on it and drop it in the, uh, in the post box, right? Uh, so you plan on telling somebody thank you because you make up your mind ahead of time that you're going to express to someone gratitude for something they've done for you. It's a cool thing. It's kind of like, well, I remember pulling up. We were in Los Angeles, and uh, I was probably seven or eight years old. We were living there at the time. Pulled up to a friend's house, and mom, you know, in her very mom voice. Now, you guys, when we walk in here, I want you to mind your P's and Q's. I still remember it. I don't know why. It stuck out in my mind. Okay, yes, ma'am. Mind my P's and Q's. And, and then it was like, oh, mom, I know what you're talking about. P means please, and Q means thank you. And it was like this light bulb went off in my head. You want me to be polite in there. Yes, mind your P's and Q's. In other words, she wanted us to plan ahead that we were going to be respectful. Plan ahead that what we were going to say, what was going to come out of our mouth, was going to be helpful for building others up and not tearing them down. And so I hope we've passed that on to our kids. Mind your P's and Q's. But I hope we've passed it on with more than just lip service, but they've also begun to see that example in our lives, that we plan ahead to be thankful people and to be grateful. I think, sadly... More often than not, when I hear people talking about, the next time I see so-and-so, you know what I'm going to say to them? It, the next thing that follows is not, hey, I appreciate you so much. I'm so glad you're in my life. Usually it's, the next time I see so-and-so, I'm going to let them know what I think of them. I'm going to set them straight because they just need, well, they need to get it all together. But I think what a beautiful thing it could be if we would say, you know, the next time I see so-and-so, I'm going to tell them, I appreciate you. I'm so thankful that you're in my life and that God has blessed us to walk on this earth together. So, <clears throat> um, 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to feedback a little bit as we begin this message. Um, you're going to see where we connect the dots here in a minute. But so somebody help me. What would be the first thing, the very first thing that you want to tell Jesus when you see him face to face in heaven one day? What's the first thing that you would want to tell Jesus when you see him? Thank you. Good. Somebody else? I love you. Wow. What else? Anybody? Another word? All right. What's the very first thing you would want to tell a loved one that's already passed on, already gone to heaven, and now you show up on the scene? And you're walking in, and you see that person that is so important to you. What's the first thing that you want to say to him when you see that loved one in heaven? I missed you. Somebody else? Love you. Anybody else? What's that? Where's the coffee? (laughs) Yeah. Where can I get a bite to eat around here? But you know what's interesting is, is that we don't think the first thing that, you know, the first thing I'm going to say when I get up there and have a talk with Jesus is, what were you thinking? We we didn't say that, did we? Now, maybe sometimes we've thought that, but we also didn't say, you know, the first thing that I'm going to say when I get up there and I see my mom or I see my grandfather is, is I'm going to say to him, you know what, you really messed me up. I can't believe that, well, no, we're going to say, I'm, I've missed you, I'm so glad to be with you, and what's it like up here, and wow, this is awesome, and Yet, it seems so crystal clear in our minds that when we see somebody in heaven, Jesus, our loved one, we've got these other words, these words of kindness, appreciation, and sentiment, and love. But that may not be the way we're programmed when we see other people. Man, if I have one more person come up to me today and complain, you know what I'm going to say? You know what I'm going to do? If I have one more person, you're on my very last nerve. We rehearse. We plan for the fact that we're going to complain and we're going to be negative. And yet, we realize how significant it is when we get to heaven, not that the first thing we do when we walk up to Jesus is say, how did you let me go through all that misery? It's, I love you, Lord. Maybe we were at a lack of words to say what we would say to Jesus because we'll be at a lack of words when we see Jesus. I, I, what, what do I, I mean, I would fall down. I'm going to embrace him. I'm going to just beam from ear to ear. I don't know. But I hope, I pray that complaining and negativity wouldn't be the very first things that I would dare to utter to Jesus when I get into glory. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll need your help with that. I'm going to say the first part, you repeat it to me. I'll say the second part, and you'll repeat it to me. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, let's, let's say it like we mean it. All right, here we go. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Alright, you just memorized a scripture that can actually change the trajectory of your life as we go forward because we're going to plan, we're going to intend to be thankful. So a man went to his pastor and he said to his pastor, um, I'm really struggling. I'm really, everything is falling apart. I'm very frustrated. I'm discouraged. I I would even say I'm really depressed right now. And here's everything. And this pastor sat there and he listened. 
didn't say anything. He just nodded a couple of times, listened. This was an entire meal at a restaurant. This is a true story, by the way. And, uh, and so I was reading it from the perspective of the, the man who went to his pastor. And, and he said, I went to my pastor, and he kept nodding, but he didn't say anything. At the end of the meal, after I had poured out my heart and all of my complaints and all of my grievances against God and the rest of humanity, he said, I just waited for the pastor to tell me what I needed to do in order to change this circumstances and to set everything right. And he said, instead, my pastor took a napkin and he pulled it out and he wrote on it 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and he gave it to me. He said, thanks for lunch. And he left. He said, I was so mad at him. I was furious. First, he didn't tell me anything. And then he preached at me with one, with one Bible verse written on a napkin. He said, I went home to my wife and my wife said, how did it go with, with Pastor Bill? And he said, well, you're not going to believe the gall of that guy. I told him everything that was going on in my life, all of the things I needed help with, and all he did was write on a napkin, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, hand it back to me and say, thanks for lunch. He said, his wife says, well, what does it say? They went and they opened up the Bible and they read it. Right? Always. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He said that Bible verse worked on him every day for that next week. I'm not thankful for this circumstance. I'm not thankful in the middle of that person telling me this. I'm not thankful. And what started perhaps as bitterness or spite towards his pastor and anybody else who'd caused him grievance started to wear away as the Holy Spirit spoke to him. I'm not thankful. I'm really not thankful until he decided to start giving thanks to the Lord in spite of the difficulties. And it changed his whole perspective. All right, so if we draw on a piece of paper a line, a continuum, and I'm just going to you know, put it out here for you. So right here, we've got grumbler, complainer. And right here, we have thankful and grateful. All right? Grumbler and complainer right here and all the way over here is thankful and grateful. In your mind's eye, which side of the stage would you be standing on or where along the way in the middle? You don't have to answer, just visualize. Where would you be standing between grumbler and complainer and thankful and grateful? You can almost be assured to every last person that the closer you are to grumbler and complainer, the less, the less happiness, the less joy, the less peace, the less fulfillment you have. And the closer that you are to thankful and grateful on this continuum, the more happiness and the more peace that you're going to find in your life. And we're going to give you some practical things to do this week, homework, in order to help you to practice Thanksgiving. So... <clears throat> Um, a man was running across Canada in order to raise money for cancer research. As I was reading this story, I thought, what a beautiful story. You know, he's getting awareness. He's got the uh, reporters following him, people asking him questions. Why are you doing this? He's like, we need to raise money for cancer research. We need to help to, to cure this cancer, and we know that it's possible. There's been breakthroughs happening. And, and so they said, well, tell us about your run. And he, he, would, he would often say this about his run. I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm thankful for today, and I'm going to make the most of this one day God has given me. 
I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm thankful for today, and I'm going to make the most of this one day today God's given me. As I'm reading the story, I was getting caught up in it, thinking, this is really awesome. What a great outlook on life. What a great way to proceed forward. And it's, it's to a point where he was run 2,000 miles now to get from one side of Canada to the other. And out of the blue, he dies. And then the author of the story, again, another true story, the author reveals that he died of cancer that he was trying to help raise money for. They didn't mention that in the rest of the story. They didn't tell me that he was facing these troubles and hardships. I thought this was just an optimistic, happy-go-lucky guy that just had chosen to be thankful. And in the middle of it, he had the chosen suffering of running literally 26 miles every day. And then the unchosen suffering of going through cancer himself when he said, I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm thankful for today and I'm going to make the most of today that God's given me. He knew with certainty that he had to make that choice. He did not know what tomorrow brought. One more story I want to tell you. This was about John Wesley, founder of Methodism. He went out on the street, headed home at the end of a long day, and he bumps into a porter, uh, a guy who would basically rent himself out to help haul luggage on and off of carriages, up and down stairs, one building to the next, whatever. He bumps into this porter, and he says to him, man, he says, it's getting cold, and you've only got that one threadbare jacket on. You need to go home and get another jacket. And he says, this is the only jacket that I have, but I thank God for it. Okay. Well, that's good. He says, well, you know, it's getting to be dinner time. There's not that many more, you know, jobs that you should be doing at this time. He said, go get a bite to eat. And he said, well, actually, he said, all I've had today is a cup of water, but I thank God for it. This is a true story. It it tremendously shaped Wesley's life because it impacted him so much. And he said, well, you know, (laughs) you might as well head home. Go home. It's long You've been, obviously haven't had any food. It's cold outside. You at least want to get in before they close the gates and you'd be stuck outside instead of in your boarding house. You'd be out here on the stones. He's like, what would you thank God for then? <laughs> kind of got a little bit ruffled that this guy was so thankful in the middle of all this stuff. He said, I would thank God for the stones, the dry stones I could lay my head upon. John Wesley looked at him. He said, so far you've thanked God for no food no coat, and no home. What else are you going to thank God for? And the man looked back at him and he says, I thank God that he has given me life and being and a heart to love him and a desire to serve him. This man had found that there is something profoundly impactful in our lives when we choose thankfulness to God in spite of all of the things that are going on around us. It so impacted John Wesley that in another story of someone in a similar situation of not having any food or clothing, that he went home and he started changing his life and saying, I've got to choose thankfulness over these other things. I've got to choose gratitude So I want to give to you three biblical examples of people choosing thankfulness, praise, and worship in spite of difficulties. And then I want us to go through these five points of the message that will help us to choose to be thankful in our own lives. So we've got Habakkuk. Uh, How many people read Habakkuk in their devotions this week? 
Okay, we've got one or two that read Habakkuk recently, and the rest of us couldn't find it if our life depended on it, right? Uh, hopefully we go to the, the, uh, the contents and find our way there. Well, Habakkuk, his circumstances are that God has brought judgment on his nation. His nation has rebelled against God, they've defied God, and they've, the, the Babylonians have now come in to wreak havoc and destruction because of his nation, the nation of Judah's disobedience to God. And so God is allowing these consequences to come into their life and even brought judgment on Judah because of their idolatry, okay, and because of them honoring false gods and pursuing selfish ways. But this is what Habakkuk 3.17 says, even if the fig tree does not bud, if there are no grapes on the vines, if there are no olives from the crop, if the fields produce no food, if there are no sheep in the pen, if there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Wow. Judgment against his nation for disobedience, an invading army that was taking them captive, and as a result, also it would seem that the harvest wasn't there and the The livestock wasn't there, and he says, yet I will rejoice in God. David, King David, if you remember, before he became king, Saul was very threatened by how he was loved and how he was very skillful at these different things, and so he would try to kill him. And numerous times David has to flee and go to a cave, go into the far reaches of wilderness to try to get away from King Saul. And in Psalm 57, verses 4 and 5, David writes about it, and he says, I'm in the midst of lions, and I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and whose tongues are sharp swords. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. He's choosing joy. He's choosing worship. He's choosing praise to the Lord in the midst of a difficult spot. I've never been in a cave with a guy trying to kill me with a spear. Never happened. Okay? I've never had a foreign nation invading my land and threatening my livelihood. The wars that America has had have been over there somewhere so often. And these two men said, I choose thanksgiving and joy. One more, Paul. Saul becomes Paul gives his life over to the Lord, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, uh, an apostle, a sent one, but he's now in jail for preaching the gospel. I've never faced that. Never gone to jail for preaching the gospel. Closest we ever came, we were handing out tracts in Boston, and the police officer said, you can't do that here, you need to move it along. Okay, so we moved along, and we went and got lunch somewhere else. I wasn't in jail. My livelihood wasn't threatened. But this is what he said, Philippians 1.18, And I will continue to rejoice. There's a choice that has to be made there. I continue to rejoice. Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed? Have you ever had a day that went bad and you just decided to quietly to yourself, I like it here and I'm going to stay in this funk. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you do. Maybe coffee will help, but probably not. I'm just going to stay in this funk. We've got these examples of Habakkuk, of David, and of Paul who said, I will choose, I will continue, I will rejoice. All right, I want to give you five points this morning about uh, thanksgiving and, and a life of thanksgiving and choosing 
ahead of time that we're going to be thankful. The first one is in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you love death, you're going to keep eating the fruit of death. The words of complaining, of negativity, of of pessimism, of tearing people down. But if you love life, you're going to rejoice in the things that build up and encourage and strengthen and give thanks and appreciation. We know in the book of James it talks about the tongue and the fact that the tongue is like a rudder that can steer a a ship. Uh, We have two little um, kayaks. When we bought them, uh, they had kind of like a rudder. On the underside, it's supposed to keep you going straight. <clears throat> we were in uh, Florida Bay down by the Everglades, and there was a bunch of mud, and it just ripped off our little fin on the bottom of the kayak. You know, the next thing I noticed as we're paddling forward, I look back because I've, I've lost Judah and Anna, and I can't see where they are, and I look back, and they're doing this. Because <laughs> without that little rudder, they can't steer. There's no control, and they're spinning in circles. And James says to us that your tongue is like a rudder and it can steer you in certain directions. It can steer this big ship. It also says in the book of James that your tongue is like a spark that can light a a massive fire. Isn't it true that tweets these days can make the whole world mad? You wake up tomorrow morning and somebody else tweeted something in the middle of the night and everybody's mad because a spark can create a fire. And if you speak words of life, you can bring life to people. And when you speak words of death, you can actually bring despair, despondency, and discouragement to people. Point number two. Jesus said it, not me, don't be mad at me. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I saw a church sign one time, and it said, bitter words come from a bitter heart. Like, it hurt me. Felt like somebody kicked me in the gut. Why would you put that up there? We don't need that. It is true, though. Bitter words come from a bitter heart. Rejoicing words come from a joyful heart. Thankful words come from a thankful heart. If it's come out of our mouth somewhere, it's been hiding in the recesses of our heart. That's good news for us because sometime recently we said something thankful. Praise the Lord. Sometime recently we probably said something negative. God help us. Philippians 4, 6 gives us a better way. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Um, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, <clears throat> I think it was Jeremiah, if you read the headers that the editors put before the chapters, it says, uh, Jeremiah's first complaint to God. Jeremiah's second complaint to God. Jeremiah's third complaint to God. You're like, man, this is a complaining dude. Right, and, and so when we read this about out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and then Philippians 4, 6 be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving reprint, uh, bring your requests to God it makes me think how often do my requests come to God by way of thanksgiving and how often do they come by way of a complaint God why did you let that happen to me God can't you fix this instead of I'm thankful God that you're on the throne And I don't understand what's going on, but I know that I know that I know that you're working it for good. That's who you are. We've got to choose that thanksgiving in advance. If out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks, then I would wonder if if ungratefulness in our hearts means anxious words comes out of our mouth. 
or if anxiousness in our hearts means ungratefulness comes out of our mouth. I want us to think about that, that we've got to recognize if it's come out of our mouths, it came from our hearts, Lord, give us a new heart so that our words will be new. Like Colossians 2, 7. Having been firmly rooted, now being built up in Him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So if we've got roots that go down deep, then we're supposed to have this fruit of gratitude is what it says, which means gratitude in here, gratitude out here. I've had to confess to the Lord sometimes, I, Lord, I honestly haven't told you I've been thankful because I haven't had gratitude in my heart for what you've done. I'm sorry about that. All right, so then point number three. I love this. So good. We get to choose what we say and how we respond. Um, a friend of mine down in Alabama, uh, we might notice that somebody did something rather foolish, hadn't thought it through, didn't put a lot of thought into it. Maybe they, maybe they just kind of reacted off the cuff and said something or did something that, whew, and he would always say, well, everybody gets to choose. That was his way of kind of, I don't understand what they were thinking, but everybody gets to choose. And here's what we get from Deuteronomy. We get it in Joshua as well, when Joshua gives his farewell speech. Well, this is Moses' farewell speech before uh, they get ready to head off and Moses goes up and, and passes away and goes into glory. Deuteronomy 30, 15 Uh, See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. You and your descendants. Choose life. Um. There's a particular uh, show on ESPN that happens to be on at the gym most of the time that I'm at the gym. When I watch sports, I like to know the replay reel. I want to know the scores and how somebody excelled or did really well at this, that, or the other. But there's this particular show on ESPN, and they pay them for an hour to argue. And, well, this guy's the best in the NBA, always has been, always will be. No, he's not, and I'll tell you why. And I'm getting changed in the locker room, I'm running on the treadmill, and I'm listening to these guys bicker and argue and constantly tear each other down. Are you dumb? Did you not watch that last game? That guy can't play worth a hill of beans. Oh, no, you're ignorant, and they're arguing. And you know what? It, it hurts my ears. Frustrates my experience because it's this negativity and this gnawing at one another. And, you know, it's like when your kids are in the back seat. I'm smarter than you are. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. But those are the words that come out of our mouths sometimes. Moses, Joshua, they say to us, You get to choose life or death, complaining or gratitude. What are you going to choose? Point number four. Thankfulness is the only appropriate response to God's gracious activity. It really is. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom from God himself that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. I think that because we don't see God face to face, we actually dare to accuse him of things or treat him in a way that we would never do if we were standing before his throne. We wouldn't walk into his throne room, put our hands on our hips and say, God, you know, we got to talk because you're messing it up. We would walk in with trembling and awe. 
And there's something about seeing God's glory that would show us how small we are and how great he is, and we would say, thank you for not killing me. And more than that, thank you for saying I could come boldly in here for help and grace and mercy. I am so thankful. Thankfulness is the only appropriate response. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Point number five, final point of the message. Thankfulness is the language of the kingdom of God, and it's one of the keys of the kingdom that God has given us. Complaining is the language of the enemy. Negativity and tearing people down is the language of the enemy. Scripture says to us, I believe it's in Ephesians 4, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Thankfulness is the language of the kingdom. Did you know Revelation says that when we are all gathered together, before the throne of God and we're getting ready to walk into eternity into all of God's glorious presence in Revelation 7:12 it says amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might will be to our God forever and ever amen thanksgiving will be to God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever we probably ought to start on that now and so Can we say that to respond to the trouble that will come, we're going to choose to respond in faith. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to believe that God is who he says that he is. And I'm going to respond in thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that you are on the throne. So, I told you I'd give you an application. I'm going to give you an application. Would you, in your life... Uh, ever want to have a life where God fixes everything that's wrong, he deepens our trust in him, he confirms in our heart that he's on the throne, he works good things in our lives, our maturity is increased, and our lives bring God glory. Would you like a life like that? Here's the catch. To get a life like that, very often God brings us through troubled waters. And he says, choose thankfulness, and praise in the middle of the troubled waters, and on the other side, you're going to realize that I've increased your trust in me. I've confirmed in your heart that I am who I say I am, that I'm on the throne. I've matured you, and your life is now bringing me glory. So, application is, give thanks to the Lord this week. Take out a piece of paper, and every day this week, write down ten different things you're thankful for. Okay, different things. Don't repeat the same thing twice. So uh, by the end of the week, you'll have 70 different things you're thankful for. But in order to help us also practice with one another, your assignment is to get on Facebook, the church Facebook page, and put one of the things that you're thankful for right there on Liberty's Facebook page. And we're going to start to see a number of things that we are all thankful for and watch that begin to create a culture of, wow, God is working And thankfulness is a whole lot better than that other way I was living. I'm going to choose to be grateful. So you got your assignment this week. Write 10 things down a day. One thing on the Facebook wall. And give thanks in all circumstances.